Welcome to another edition of Footnotes. Pastor Mark here along with our other pastors today. We're excited to be talking with you about serving in the local church. We're going to address that in just a moment, but before we do, we need to discuss the elephant in the room. And do you guys know what the elephant in the room is? Is the elephant in the room have something to do with the person that's not in the room? No, Brandon is not here, but that has nothing to do with the elephant in the room. All right. Um, No, it, it has to do with where have we been for months? That's the elephant in the room, right? So where have we been as a podcast for months? So our last podcast was in April and we had a really good favorable listening audience. In fact, um, we've been nominated for a Grammy and a Tony and uh, anything else you can think of. We were nominated. That's how good it was. But we stopped doing our podcast for the summer. And Brady, why did we stop doing our podcast for the summer? Uh, Perhaps because of VBS and kids camp and youth camp and mission trips and everything else. Correct. So we had many, many things going on this summer, right? So that was number one. And there was another reason that we stopped for the summer. Not only were we busy and we had a lot of things going on. Jake, what was the other reason why we stopped in the summer? Well, a lot of people don't know this, but when we were recording our previous podcast episodes, we were kind of just like stuck in a closet and people would be walking around and we didn't really have a space to record it well, to get good audio, uh, you know, to set that time. And so we have been building a really podcast room or studio in order to record and, and make sure that if we're going to do this as a church, that we're doing it the right way, we're putting forth the right amount of effort in order to produce a, a valuable, I don't want to call it a product, but a valuable ministry to our members. Correct. So you guys have done great guessing what my brain is thinking. So excellent job, guys. Yes, those are the two reasons why we stopped. So if you were a listener and you said, hey, I was listening, what happened? Well, it was summer and we had to finish this podcast studio. And so we just said, hey, let's just take a break. And then when we come back for the school year, we'll jump right back in with our topics. Now, Guys, I want to say this because I'm really encouraged by what I hear. So um, a lot of our members would tell us, hey, I'm listening to your podcast. And we thought that was amazing because we thought only our mothers were listening to the podcast. But people were saying, I'm listening. And then secondly, um, in the new members class that we have at Broadway, beginning at Broadway, uh, I was talking with some some people that were in that class even this past week, and they referenced the podcast. And I don't know how they knew about the podcast, how they heard about it, um, you know, but they said we were listening. And one of the subjects that you discussed really ministered to us. And that's one of the reasons why we're here. And I thought, wow, that's incredible that God would use that. So we're so encouraged that people listen. And what we always want to do with these podcasts is we want to make them uh, an opportunity for us to just talk about ministry in the local church in our setting to be edifying to our people. But if other people listen and they're edified, we're happy with that as well. We call it footnotes. And Brady, why do we call it footnotes? 
Um, I'm not sure. Why do we call it okay. footnotes? And you fail. <laughs> All right, Jake, why do we call it footnotes? We call it footnotes because we don't want anyone to think of this podcast as like the main meat of how our church body is supposed to be fed. You know, we have a sermon, we have Sunday school, we have a regular teaching, but... Uh, you know, in, in many books or scholarly articles, you will have footnotes in the bottom that just go a little bit further, a little bit deeper uh, into whatever material you're discussing. And that's kind of what we're trying to do here with this podcast. We're not trying to replace the other ministries of the church, but we're trying to go a little bit deeper and just having frank conversations about these issues sometimes is very beneficial for the body. Correct. Yes, that is true. So um, what what this is, is it's all the things we really don't have time to talk about, maybe in the sermon or on the Wednesday night Bible study or in Sunday school, because we're doing other things. But when do you get the opportunity to just kind of sit down and talk with each other about body life issues, the footnotes, you know, you reading in the footnotes, all the other things that that don't go in the main body of the paper. So that's that's kind of where the title comes from. That's the message of the podcast. It's why we do it. And so now we're back. So welcome to another edition of Footnotes. So let's let's jump into it today, okay? Today's title of the Footnotes podcast is Just Do It. And we all know that that's from Reebok and uh, that Reebok had that uh, thing going in the 70s. Just do it. Right, everybody? Reebok, right? Right. Uh, I was just just trying to encourage you. Okay, it's not Reebok. It's Adidas. And so they had this thing going on where they would say, just do it. And uh, did you actually know, though, that Nike has like a huge factory right up on Shelby Drive? Um, Right up on Shelby Drive. Right, right, not far from us. I, I did not know that. Yes. So, um, if it ever explodes, there's a possibility it would rain <laughs> shoes down on us, and we would get free shoes. Things to pray for. All right. <laughs> so, anyway, um, there, there. Nike had this thing called "Just Do It." Right. So, we were talking as pastors recently about how do we get people involved in the local church. How do we get them plugged in serving in the local church? So the Lord is graciously sending us a lot of people right now. I think I don't think that's an overstatement, and I don't think that that's you know any kind of braggadocious comment. People are just coming to Broadway, and so this past Sunday we saw two baptized. We saw four families join. We were thankful for that. We have four more in the beginning at Broadway class currently, and that's that's what's going on today. That may not always be going on, but we're thankful for the growth that we see happening. People coming in are asking us, where do I serve? How do I serve? What is there for me to do? And so as we've contemplated those very good questions, we're, th- we're saying, okay, this would be a great podcast to talk through this. So that people could listen and they could say, oh, okay, so here's here's how I do it. Here's how I serve. So today what we're going to do, three questions. We're going to talk about why you should serve in the local church, how you should serve in the local church, and where you should serve in the local church. So why, how, where. All right, let's talk about number one, guys. Why should you serve in the local church? Brady, who is on his phone why should you serve in the local church? <laughs> what, what are you doing over there, Trying to look Brady? up scripture uh-huh, references. I'm sure you were. You were on uh-huh. face page. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, um, 
because the Lord, when uh, God saves a person, right, the Holy Spirit uh, enters into us and gives us, equips us with spiritual gifts to serve the body. And so you read in uh, biblical books like First Corinthians Lord, uh, about how God has given us spiritual gifts of various kinds to edify and equip and build up the body of believers. And so we all, uh, just like a human body, has different parts that do different things, have different functions. Um, all of us together make a healthier church than just part of us. Yeah, that's excellent. Jake, what do you think? Why should we serve? Well, I like to describe it uh, kind of taking a step down from the kind of spiritual level and just getting real practical because you don't want your your church uh, to be a church that does nothing. Like you don't want to be a member of a church that isn't actually active where you just attend, you know, for an hour a week, but for a church to accomplish all these things, for a church to have a vibrant and active ministry into the community, reaching out, like you got to have workers. And so like, why should you serve? Well, because if you're a member of the church and you don't serve, who is going to serve? If a church is full of members that don't want to serve, it's never going to accomplish anything. So I think part of it also has the idea of, like, not only are we a part of the body, we've been given these gifts, so it seems like God wants us to do it, but also, like, on that pragmatic level, why should you individually care about serving your church? Because you, you want to be a member of the best possible church, right? You want your church to be as healthy as it can be, um, and that's impossible to do without our members actually serving uh, joyfully in whatever area they are both called and gifted in. Yeah, so both of you are touching on a very accurate description there. I mean, one, Brady, you bring up the fact that every believer is given spiritual gifts. So letter A, let's go there, spiritual gifts. I mean, why should we serve? Because the Holy Spirit indwells every believer and gives gifts to the believer. So I like to always say it's always it always seems to be in uh, in in a a chapter twelve of scriptures. First Corinthians twelve talks about the list of spiritual gifts. Uh, Ephesians chapter four, what twelve talks about spiritual gifts. So there's another twelve, and then there's Romans chapter twelve that talks about spiritual gifts. So if you kind of get the, get the number 12 in your head, you'll say, all right, there's three passages in the New Testament that emphasize what spiritual gifts are. Now, what you'll find when you study those three passages of Scripture, none of them are the same. So it's not like there's a generic list. Here's the five gifts. The point, I think, is that God has a multiplicity of gifts. Now, we're told specifically in all of those passages, every believer is endowed with at least one gift. Some people may have more gifts. Some people's variation of the gift may be more or less. I mean, the Lord gives talents, so to speak, according to the parable, different measures to different people, but every believer has a gift. So the question that the listener ought to ask is, okay, if I'm a believer and I'm dwelt by the Holy Spirit— indwelt by the Holy Spirit, then I have a spiritual gift. What is that spiritual gift? Now, let's just talk about that briefly. How would they know what their spiritual gift is? Well, some people would say you take a you know spiritual inventory test or paper that some guy, you know, try to think up and mark down, and that'll tell you kind of like a personality test or whatever like that. And that could be one approach, but I personally think a lot more effective approach would be just to jump in and serve 
and people will start seeing what you're really good at. And they'll say, man, the way you taught those kids, they were mesmerized by you, and you really held their attention, and you taught them the Bible really well. That was great. And you may not even be aware of that, but other members of the body affirming the gifts they see in you, because a lot of times we don't know what our gifts even are, and we see other yeah. people affirm that in us, or like, man, you you really uh, can teach really well, or you made that really clear. And so I think ser- just serving where, where you're needed and then having other people ask you know, ask them their opinion or having other people in the body affirm your gifts is what I would recommend, I think, than just some random spiritual inventory test that a guy wrote. I think the, your own local church can affirm your gifts a lot better. Yeah, so if you just do it, then people are going to notice and you're going to get feedback from other members yeah. who will encourage you. And they may even like bring to your attention, hey, you're really a servant. you know. Yeah. And then you go, okay, maybe I have the gift of service. Yeah. I didn't think about that. It was never on my radar. Yeah, And I think another way to kind of evaluate where your spiritual gifts are is if you are serving um, according to your spiritual gift, you know, you are committing an act that's going to be pleasing to the Lord. And so there should be a sense of joy and fulfillment uh, in your life if you are utilizing your spiritual gift for the benefit of the body. And so what I see more than just, uh, you know, members even just giving feedback for, you know, are you good with that spiritual gift? Are you, you know, uh, can you use it well? Because there's some spiritual gifts such as mercy uh, that, you know, it's kind of hard for others to uh, evaluate, but there's this idea that when you're utilizing your spiritual gift, you get this sense of joy and fulfillment uh, that you just you can't get other places. And this is also true, not just for our, our uh, lay people uh, in the church, but it's also true for pastors and ministers. You know, when we are utilizing the spiritual gifts and the calling that God has set before us, like that gives us the most joy. I thought it was so impactful a few weeks ago during your sermon, Mark, where you were explaining why you were preaching a sermon after the death of your mother. And, and you just plainly said, because this is what brings me joy. Mm-hmm. Like this is what mm-hmm. I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And when you have found what your spiritual gift is and when you're serving in that way, what you'll see from people is it's not a burden. It is a joy to serve in that way. Yeah, well said. Yeah. So we all have gifts. It's a joy to use those gifts and to be used by God with those gifts. Let me point out one other thing. So you guys have, have well helped us think through spiritual gifts. But one thing Henry Blackaby said in experiencing God years ago, I've never forgotten this, he was talking about spiritual gifts, and he noted that sometimes we use spiritual gifts as a way out. So we'll say, oh, I know there's a need in nursery, but my spiritual gift is not children. My spiritual gift is eating, so <laughs> I'm not – I can't do that, you know. Um, but but Blackaby's point was he thought – and I'd have to go back and read this. It's been a long time. I used to have the book, the hardback book, book experiencing God, and then I lost it somewhere at Ole Miss, and probably somebody down there really needed it. And so um, I used to have it, and it was in that book. Specifically, I remember it was in that book. I think it's in the workbook too, but he says, I don't believe God just gives you one spiritual gift. I think that the gifts vary according to the needs within the body. So in other words, it's not like, okay, I have the gift of giving and I'm always going to have the gift of giving. Well, that that may very well be true. Maybe that is your gift. But Blackaby's point was, look, let's say you're in a church and there's a need that you don't think you're really equipped for, 
the Holy Spirit will give you the gifting you need in the moment that the church needs it Hmm. for the edification of the saints. Now, I believe that because I know in my own life, there have been seasons where I needed a particular gift and the Lord graciously gave it to me. Now, I don't know if that fits everybody's agreement of theology, but I, I do think you are given gifts. I think the gifts vary, but I think the Lord can also work so that you're not just limited for all time to this one thing or two thing or, or whatever it is. Um, I'd, I'd also say along that line that, you know, gifts are not your natural talent. And people get that very confused and they say, well, that, you know, it's just not my my gift to serve children or to, you know, I'm trying to think of a gift to be administrative or whatever. Well, that's the whole point. This is, We're not talking about what you like to do and what you're good at. God gives you natural abilities, you know, so he gives, you know, maybe Brady the ability to sing, but it doesn't mean that you know, that's your spiritual gift is my spiritual gift is singing. No, you, maybe you just can carry a tune, but you might be a great singer and a horrible worship leader because it's all about you, you know, and you're, you're drawing attention to yourself and not to God. So we have to distinguish these are not our natural talents. And, you know, for me, I, I would like to think that one of my gifts is teaching, you know, which is a spiritual gift that's listed but I also have to fight because my personality is one that likes to be outgoing. So I could I could just live off that, right, and not really give myself to the study and the teaching. I could let my personality take over and come up with three points in a poem really easy, you know. So it it's like, no, if that is the gift that the Lord gives, then, you know, the element of that is I have to force my natural personality talents into the box of submitting to the Word of God and studying and not relying on shooting from the hit. You know, I, I I don't know if that makes sense, but a lot of people in theater, those kind of things, they'll tell you, well, you could shoot from the hip. That's That's kind of one of their gifts, just natural gifts, but that's not necessarily a spiritual gift. So it even changes the way, you know, you, you do your natural abilities. And I just want to make that point. It's not necessarily your natural talents. It's a gift that God gives for the church. And I think God will give those gifts when they're needed. No, you're. I think you're absolutely right, Pastor Mark. And even thinking through, well, you might have had natural abilities before you were saved that continue, but it's when you're saved and the Holy Spirit enters in that you are given a spiritual gift. So there's a sense that there should be a newness or something, um, a passion or an ability that you know, you didn't have before when you were lost, right? If the Holy Spirit is in you and He wasn't in you before you were converted, uh, I would think there'd be that's there's a difference there. So it can't just be all the natural abilities you had before you were saved, and now it's just the same thing. We just call them spiritual gifts. It's like no, there's there's something happened to you. You were made a new creation. Uh, so there is that distinction there. I think that's helpful to think about. Yeah, and you know, full disclosure, and this is kind of embarrassing, but it's the truth. And maybe this will help somebody as they think through spiritual gifts. But, you know, I pray with my gift of teaching that the Lord would give me wisdom, okay? So the ability, discernment, you know, the gift of discernment and wisdom and the wisdom of Solomon, the wisdom that James speaks of in James chapter 1, if any of you lacks it. And I really believe that 
that is some measure of a spiritual gift that the Lord has given me because in my natural brain power ability, I was not very smart. So like in high school, you know, I've told this story to the National Honor Society at North Point when they asked me to speak, but I never was in the Beta Club or the Honor Society. I didn't have the grades to do that. One of the reasons why I didn't have the grades to do that is I suffered immensely before they had ever defined it. You know, back then you just had to be tough and shut up and chew on a, a you know, a string of leather and deal with it. But, um, you know, back then I had severe ADHD and I mean, I would go into these trances and I would literally wake up, you know, I mean, my eyes were open and you might have been talking to me. But I would literally like go into these trances and not realize that I was awake asleep, if that makes sense. And my brain was just somewhere else, thinking of something else. There's a there's a movie with with Mel Gibson, and it's called I think it's called The Man Without a Face, and that is the best visual. There's this kid in the movie, and he does this. He like goes into these. I'm awake, imaginary trances, and he then he kind of wakes up. And uh, I remember when I saw that movie, I thought, that is what I'm doing right there. And, I, and my point is just that I always struggled academically. I struggled, I struggled, I struggled. And it was hard for me to pay attention and to understand and to get concepts. But yet the Lord somehow graciously worked over that. And, you know, when I get in the Scripture— I'm not the smartest guy in the room by any means, but I'm not I'm not struggling. Does that make sense? So it's like the wisdom of God is given graciously to somebody who did not have that wisdom to show here's a gift that God gives to you. So so maybe that helps somebody. I don't know. Yeah, and and I think um even going back to your point before about how, you know, the spiritual gifts might uh change in season based on circumstance. You know, I I really think going back to this analogy, a good way to understand spiritual gifts is to start to understand what does it mean to be called by God to do something, you know, because as as ministers, as pastors, we've been called by God uh, to a particular vocation, but that doesn't mean that that vocation is always going to look and act the same throughout our, our whole lives. Most pastors you talk to, and they had a season where they were a missionary and a season where they uh, were, were teaching and a season where they were doing youth ministry and, and all these different things. And the call to ministry is there, but the way that it is practiced is based on the needs of the church and, and where God has placed them. I think spiritual gifts are, are the same way where that that calling, that gifting is always there, but the way that you need to implement those gifts varies greatly as you go through. And, and I think, Mark, as you're talking about, you know, uh, the difference between your spiritual gifting and your natural talent. Um, you know, the same thing is is actually true with me where, you know, I mean, I, I talk for a living now. That's really what I, I, I do. I'm, I'm talking, I'm teaching all the time. But I actually was in speech therapy uh, for the first few years uh, growing up in school. They actually wanted to hold me back and put me in a special school because I was in kindergarten and first grade, and I could not say a complete sentence. And I had to do years of intensive uh, speech therapy, and I still was not able to do any kind of public speaking at all until uh, well into high school. Uh, but after Salvation called the ministry, and, and now you know that's what I do 
for, I mean, that's what I do for a living. I, I talk over and over and over, sometimes way too much. But I think that the reason correct. why... Correct. <laughs> yeah. is, is that why you say the word correct, correct. all the time? Yeah. Correct. Correct. All right. Well, the reason I bring that up is because I think sometimes God uh, pairs our natural talents against our spiritual giftedness so that we constantly have to rely on him and his grace in order to utilize our spiritual gifts. And so, for instance, I naturally still am not a good public speaker. I still need to really think about the words I'm going to say and how to properly enunciate them, or I'm, I'm not going to be able to get through any kind of language. So I have to be disciplined and ask God's help in order to have that language. The same thing with you're saying with with studying and preparation of wisdom, you have to rely on that. And I think that is possibly one of the ways that God is utilizing his sovereignty in order to teach his people to constantly rely on him in the utilization of their gift. So even if you, for all of our listeners, even if you are not particularly talented in an area, that does not mean that your spiritual gift uh, cannot be utilized in that area, and it certainly does not mean that God doesn't want you to serve uh, simply because it is more difficult for you than it would be for someone else. Yeah, that's very good. So letter B, Jake, you mentioned after just the fact that we have these spiritual gifts, I just want to touch on this. Why should we serve? Still on that first point, because you you said, you know, we don't want to just do nothing. And a lot of churches, people think all I do is go to church and sit. So very, very popular phraseology right now in the church culture is, you know, come to our venue. So they don't call it a church any longer or a sanctuary or whatever. It's called a venue, you know, and they talk about an experience, a worship experience. These people, who are they? Anyway, um, I'm going to have a worship experience. And so they want you to have this experience at their venue. And uh, the idea there is you come to get. And so something happens to you. Now, we would not deny that something should happen to you in the presence of the Lord and in the presence of his people and in the presence of his word. But but there's also more than just attending a, a venue a, a, an event. There is something that you should be serving and doing in the local church. And so people who just attend really are only doing really a portion. I would even say like if you divided it into fourths, you know, they're only doing a fourth of what a member should be doing because there's so much more involved in membership and coming to church and being a part of the body of Christ so we don't need to be lazy, and, and if, if you're weary of church, it may be because you're not doing anything. You know, if you're weary of attending, it may be because there's nowhere where you're pouring into other people. So during the pandemic, one large church in a town that I used to live in confessed that they were, they were concerned People would not come back because they had built their church on the idea that you just attend an event. And when that event was moved completely online, the relevance of people coming was now gone. The point of why why do we come to church? Well, I can attend the event in my pajamas, sitting on my couch much more comfortably 
and more relevantly than dressing up and going to where you are located. And so now they had this big dilemma and it's like COVID exposed the futility of how they were doing church. And so if our people think, yeah, well, the point is just to come. No, the point is you have a gift. You've got to serve. You've got to give that to people. People in the body need your gift. Somebody at this church needs your ministry. Every member is a minister. So I think that's important to, to note. Let's go to question number two. So we talked about why we, we, sh- we should serve. Um, let's talk about how we should serve in the body of Christ. How exactly would would this happen? What should this look like? And we've kind of addressed some of this in the fact that we have a varied gifting and, you know, that I think the Holy Spirit gives us the gifts when we need it. But how should a believer approach serving? What do you guys think? Well, I think just starting off, you know, just the title of this uh, footnotes uh, production right here is, you know, just do it. Uh, I I think the biggest, I, I think, the biggest issue when we're trying to encourage people to serve is that they think that God needs to send an angel who will appear in front of them and give them an audible command of exactly how you're supposed to serve. And even if they're not expecting that, sometimes they're expecting a pastor to come up to them individually and tell them exactly how they're supposed to serve in what way and what time. And, you know, that that's just realistically, that's not how it works. That's not how people are are called to service. And also, if you just think about it on an organizational level, that's just completely impractical. Uh, Number one, to expect the pastors to know the needs of the church in its totality, you know, every second of every day, Uh, but also to expect God to to have those individual um, commands from someone in ministry to a layperson. That's completely ignoring the calling of the Holy Spirit in the individual. It's it's acting as if the Holy Spirit is not indwelling people and is not the one that's giving the spiritual gift in the first place. And so sometimes, ironically, as people are trying to figure out their spiritual gift and trying to figure out how to serve the local church, they almost cut God out of the equation and are relying on the church as if it were an organization re- recruiting workers and hirees. So if we said, how do you serve, the first answer we would give then would be if you see a need tackle that need just do it right so don't wait for the pastor to come to you don't wait necessarily for a recruitment day or a job fair or whatever if you're in the church and you see a need ask yourself could i address that need now let's talk about more how would you do this because there there are let's be honest there are rules right i mean let's let's say we had this scenario i've had this happen before in former churches you have a women's ministry that's doing titus 2 where the older women are mentoring the younger women and then a group of ladies who are not really in the official women's ministry come along and they say, we don't really like the Titus 2 model. We want to do a Beth Moore video series on the temple. And so what we would like to do is our own, uh, you know, shoot off here of a women's ministry on Tuesday mornings at a time that's better for us and in a format that's better for us. And we're willing to do all the work and we're willing to serve. Can we do that? So I've been faced with this dilemma in the past, not at Broadway. And, you know, at first you think, well, 
this is great. You have people wanting to serve. You don't want to quelch their service, right? You want to encourage them. Then you think, secondly, you know, can we have multiple things? We have multiple Sunday school classes. Could we have multiple women's ministry classes? And then you think to yourself, thirdly, you know, it's not like they're getting together to worship the devil. Um, Well, some people might say that the person in question was the devil, but um, they're not getting together to worship the devil. They're, They're getting together to study about the temple. And so... Um, and that was a joke. Uh, but, you know, they're getting together to study the temple, and, and so we don't want to squelch that. So there's all these things you think of as a pastor that could be worse, right? And those aren't bad things. Those are good things. But then on the other hand, you think, but if I give them permission to do this, now I have two ministries competing. So the women who may not like the leadership that we've provided and the people that we've put in the position of leadership, this is what they have felt best. Now, you know, we all can always find people that disagree with every issue of leadership. There's always people who think they can do everything better and they have a better idea. But this is who the Lord has placed in the leadership. So, you know, my question to those women who wanted to start their own thing is I said, can't you go to the leader and say, hey, I feel like we're not meeting a need in a particular area. How could I work with you? How could I work under you? And how could we meet that need? Well, they didn't want to do that because they knew, look, this isn't the direction the women's ministry is going. We want to go a different direction. So there are rules. And my point is, you can't just carte blanche say, oh, yes, anybody that wants to serve, just start serving because... You know, for example, what what if somebody said, well, I want to have a different children's ministry or a different youth ministry, and so I'm going to start my own over here and do my own thing. That's not going to work. So we do want people to just do it, but they have to come under the authority of the leadership that's there. So sometimes just doing it may mean you start something no one else is doing, or it could mean that you submit yourself to what's already there, even if you think you can do it better, even if you think you're smarter, even if you think it's not scratching all the itches that I think it should scratch. Well, okay, but this is what it is, and the best thing for you to do is come under that leadership and then try to see how you can influence change, you know, in the structure that's there instead of trying to just recreate structure over here. And that's that's always a tension in the church, right? Yeah, we we had a similar issue at um, at Woodland Baptist Church, and this is like seven or eight years ago. Now I feel old just saying that, but uh, yeah, about seven eight years ago, we had this woman who uh, joined the church about a year ago uh, at that time, and she wanted to teach a Sunday school class. And you know, hey, that seems like a great idea. Like, hey, yeah, we always need Sunday school teachers, right? That that's amazing. But there were some concerns because in the year that she had been a member at Woodland, she had never actually attended a Sunday school class taught by anyone else. And so it was this thing of she wanted to teach a class to teach others, but she didn't feel like there was anyone who had something worthwhile to teach her. And so the issue that we kind of came upon is, well, if you want to be a Sunday school teacher and be a part of that Sunday school ministry, then how come you weren't willing to go and be a member of just a Sunday school class. And I think that's a good example of sometimes where 
there's always a temptation of wanting to start your own ministry or do your own project, and it's not always a bad thing, but I think we always need to check ourselves, especially our our pride and our arrogance, uh, to be completely frank, of thinking, okay, do you think that—don't be so prideful as to think that there's nothing that someone can teach you and that you always have to be the one that's that's teaching or serving or leading others. And so before yeah. you want to lead a ministry, are you willing to serve in a ministry? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I say about deacons. I, you know, people think that giving somebody the title of deacon is like this honor. Well, it is honorable, but you give people the title of deacon, you put them in that position because they're already serving. If they're not already taking out the trash and greeting people at the door and doing what it what needs to be done, I don't care how prestigious they are in the community, how much money they have, you know, how many people like them, they're not if they're not doing it without being given the title, they're not going to do it when you give them the title. So, I'm not interested. And I would say that about ministry, you know, I've had people apply for jobs, children's ministry jobs at a church, and you ask them, well, what are you currently doing in children? Well, I've never served in children, but I feel like God's opening a door. So you're at a church right now, and you're not serving kids at all, but you say you have this calling by God to do this. And I would say this to pastors. And if you're called to preach, you don't have to have a pulpit to preach. Go to the nursing home and preach for free. You know, they used to let you go to the fire station and preach. Um, I knew one guy who um, took took a ministry as a preacher to horse jockeys in Ohio, and he did that for a while to preach uh, to those who, who, who needed a place to go on Sunday morning before the horse races. I mean, you can debate that, but, you know, it, there, there was— there's places you can preach the gospel. You don't have to be given a pulpit. And it would always tickle me because guys would tell me, I'm called to preach. And I'd say, great. Listen, we have this nursing home ministry. It's every Sunday at 4 o'clock. Would you go down there and take my place maybe next week? And they'd say, oh, I'm, I'm not called to do that. Well, then what are you called to do? I mean, if you're not going to do that, then you don't need a pulpit. You know, yeah. so it's very much what are you doing and, and how are you serving and are you coming under? How do you do this? Well, sometimes you just do it. So you see a need and you do it. But then sometimes you just submit, you know. So if you asked how, I'd say check your heart, be joyful, do it. All right, anything you want to add? Yeah, I was just going to add one last thing. Um, anytime I think about work or serving, I always think about Colossians 3.23, which says whatever you do, whatever spiritual gift you could say, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. So again, we're not even doing it just for our other fellow members. We're ultimately doing it for the Lord. And so I think that changes everything. And I'll just share one quick anecdote. But I remember when I worked at a Christian summer camp, and it was for like 10 weeks. I was taking care of you know grade school kids, teaching them the Bible. And by the towards the end of that summer, I was about tired and losing my patience. And I was you know, tired of tying kids' shoes and going back to the pool to pick up their swim trunks that they left behind and their towels and all this stuff. And I was kind of getting fed up with the kids, you could say. And I was getting really tired, and it was a long summer. But then I read this book uh, by Francis Chan, and he talked. To, it was called Ronnie Wilson's uh, Gift, I believe. And it talked about this little boy who wanted to give a gift to Jesus after he got saved. And uh, he played with this kid who was lonely at the park, and he gave his baseball glove to another kid. 
and he had a dream and he realized that everything he did for others, he was actually ultimately doing for Jesus. And that's what, you know, Matthew uh, 28 teaches us that whatever we do when we give someone a drink of cold water, we visit the sick or we, we uh, help the lady cross the street, we're ultimately doing it for the Lord and not just for others. And so that totally transformed my outlook that summer. And when I was tying kids shoes, I'm like, this is profound. Like I can serve Jesus doing the most menial tasks to anybody that goes a young child, like whatever you're doing for anyone, you can do it with the joy that you're serving Jesus. And so that can transform. That's a, that's a great point. Absolutely. Think about how many of our members serve people coming through the doors of this church by simply smiling, saying, good morning, welcome. Can I take you to your class? Can I help you get checked in? You know, here, have a, have a bulletin. I mean, that seems so simple. But I cannot tell you how many people tell me in the beginning at Broadway class that the way that they were treated when they walked in the door of the church had a profound influence on them staying. One couple in particular who are in the class now said that they had been members at a pretty large Baptist church for years. No one had ever talked to them. They said they have a hub just like yours. They they have almost almost identical kind of the things you guys are doing. And they said, but we went there for years and we would go and people would look at us, you know, and smile. But nobody ever said hello. We were very, very faithful. They said, you know, when the pandemic hit, we just quit going. And we were just kind of, you know, flopping around until we decided, OK, we're going to come to to this church their comment was the first Sunday they walked in before the music started, literally, you know, 15 people had said, hello, can we help you? Welcome. We're glad you're here. When the music began and they had been greeted by that many people, the lady said, I began crying. My husband turns to me and says, why are you crying? And I said, because we have just been so Basically, you know, for lack of my word, loved. We've been so loved. And I'm thinking to myself, when, when you greet people, you know, when you s- serve in the nursery or the preschool, when you give somebody a cup of coffee or water, you might think, well, what am I really doing? But you are ministering to those people. You're allowing them to hear the gospel later when we preach, you know, if we if we're if we're rude, they're not going to hear the message of the gospel. When you're out on parking lot duty and you're helping people in the parking lot, or you're riding a golf cart to bring them to the door, or any number of things. I mean, you're serving in the name of Jesus and you're you're ministering. Those are just some examples of minor things that we might think, well, that's not really a big deal, but that's serving. Yeah, and I think I think. Uh the largest example of serving that is is a need that you know the church desperately needs help with but people don't think of it as you know quote unquote serving is you know what we really need from our members is to just be on mission every week and think like hey who am i going to invite to church that i've never invited to church before who am i going to reach out to in my neighborhood that i've never reached out to before and I think we need to have that intentionality sometimes. There's so many people that are like, hey, I'm I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to set out chairs. I'm willing to make coffee. And it's like, that's great. But, you know, the truth is there are other people who could also do that task. But your coworker or your neighbor, like, 
you are the best person to invite that person to church. And and I don't mean invite like, hey, we go to church, y'all should stop by. But I mean intentionally like, hey, why don't y'all come to share with us? Let's go out and get something to eat afterwards. Invite them into your home. I mean, yeah. hospitality. That is, hey, we know I, I met you at church last week. We'd love to have y'all over for lunch next Sunday. Would y'all like to come? That's serving, believe it or not, right? Yes. Um, hey, can I hold your baby while you go through the coffee line. That's serving, believe it or not. But I'll even add something to that because I agree with you. Um, singing. Yes. Singing loudly yes. for all to hear. The best way for Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Isn't that what Buddy the Elf taught us that is. in the book of Buddy? But, uh, <laughs> Greatest Christmas but movie ever. I, that is my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, besides White Christmas, that's my other all-time favorite with Bing Crosby. But if it's not White Christmas, it's Elf, but those two. But I, you know, I, but I would say, um, yeah, the, think about when people come into the service and nobody's singing loudly. It's very awkward. You can serve by singing to one another psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You can serve by moving up front. Yep. I mean, I had a visitor tell me, they said, I came into your service. Now, this has been over a year ago. But they said, I sat midway down your very large sanctuary thinking people would fill in around me and I would not be on the front row. And this visitor ended up being on the front row because halfway down the stinking sanctuary, nobody sat. And so there's like 50 rows in front of her and there's like 20 rows behind her and everybody's sitting on one side way in the back. Now, when she told me that, I said, okay, those back pews have to go. They have to go. I don't care who gets mad. We're not serving people. This is weird. And people come in here and they think, where am I? And why is nobody sitting down here? And what's going to happen? Is this Gallagher? And they're going to explode a watermelon all over me? Y'all don't remember Gallagher, do you? He was a, no he was a comedian in the 80s, and he used to take sledgehammers and, and bust watermelons and uh, so if you sat on the front row at a Gallagher event, you had to wear like a, one of those ponchos like because you would, get, you would get watermelon all over you. <laughs> and so maybe they think, why is nobody sitting at like, what's going to happen? And I know that sounds kind of, you're like, oh, no, nobody thinks. No, they do. I mean, they walk in and it's like, yeah, there's like 50 rows up front that like nobody wants to go near. And, and it's not serving people. You serve when you go sit down. I had one member say, I want to start a ministry where people sit down front and they sing loudly and they have joyful looks on their faces. And I said to this lady who told me she wanted to start this ministry, I said, amen, may your tribe increase and may the Lord give you lots of people to do this ministry with. Because she saw the disparity. And she was like, you know, that's, I can't do much, but I could get five or six people to move down front and like look excited. And I'm like, that would be great. I mean, that would be wonderful. So can you serve in, in a multiplicity of ways, singing and sitting in the right spot and making room for people and inviting? Of course you can. So it's not always this official ministry that's like, here's where you serve. Sometimes it's just like, being very conscientious, I love the church God's called me to, and I want to serve. I want to do whatever I can. Last thing, where should we serve? I think we've kind of answered this, but let's just go ahead and talk about the where. 
So, Jake, in the very beginning, you said there's really no way we will know everywhere that needs to be served, right? So people come up and they say, where can I serve? Well, I mean, I can point you to the ushers and the greeters. I can point you to, you know, the welcome desk and the choir. I can point you to some basic things. But it could be that the Lord put something on your heart that he hasn't put on mine that I don't see. And it could be that God's calling you to maybe like the, the woman who told me, I want to create a ministry to move people up front. I mean, it, at first I thought that's weird, but then I thought, no, that's that's a need. And like she wants to do this and I'm so encouraged that she wants to do this. So don't stop her. Let her do it. Right. Nobody else is doing this. And then we had like some women who said, hey, we want to come up on Friday and straighten all the Bibles and put all the pencils back because, you know, we have chapel three days a week. The school uses our sanctuary Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So we want to come in after the last one and we want to put everything back. And I mean, that sounds so simple, but it's like, what a ministry, right? What a ministry. We did not think those things up. Other people thought them up. So here's the deal. I mean, there's going to be places you can sign up, plug in, But there may be places that we don't know about that you come up with, God brings to your attention, and you you serve, right? So where? Well, that's an open-ended question. Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing that we need to point out, too, is, uh, you know, if we're just going to be completely honest with our church members, if you look at how quickly we're growing, like, here's the truth. We cannot come up with 50 new volunteer positions every few months Uh, But we have that many visitors and and new people coming to join our church. And so uh, administratively, like the ministries that we have, like can't keep up with the people. Like we we just started a men's ministry this past year, and it's already packed and huge and and, and growing. But there wasn't a men's ministry a year and a half ago. Uh, So we have all these ministries that are new and starting, and we have a staff that is also mostly new. Uh, Mark, even I would say, like, you're still you're oh, still I'm, new here. You're I'm still brand, brand new. new. Yeah. I'm a so, baby. So, like, everyone's— Correct. So everyone's new here, and we're trying to build this administrative infrastructure so that we can have these more pragmatic, organized ministries. But the truth is, right now, the church is growing so quickly— we simply cannot keep up, again, with all the needs, with everything going on. But here's just some real practical things that every single person can do. Um, so outside, if you ever look and you think, you know what, those those flower beds outside the church, they look like they need to be watered or anything. Like, yes, that's something that, that can be done. If you look at a room and you're like, you know what, this uh, this room uh, needs to be painted. This room needs to be refreshed. Like, contact the church. We can definitely work that out. If you're like, you know what, I just, I just feel like, you know, uh, we just need to vacuum and and carpet. We need to wipe stuff down. We need to freshen this place up. I just want to go and I just want to put up some decorations for this event. Like. There are a ton well, of decorations. For that. Always ask. <laughs> always ask. <a> <laughs> you, know, you never know what you're going to get. Some decorations. Uh, yes. Yeah. Always ask. But uh, yeah, there, yeah, there's. And, and the, to your point, think about Eddie Hood, yeah. who saw the flower beds out front and said, I, "That needs to be fixed." And he just took it upon himself with Dennis and some other guys. Yep. You will see them up here, and they're like making it beautiful and they just did this and every time i look at the beautiful flower beds at our church at the front 
I think to myself, our people just did that. Nobody had to ask them to do it. Now, they asked for funding. They said, can we buy some bricks and these kind of things? And they they came to the church and said, can we do this? And we're thankful they did so that they didn't just start, you know. It's like the old Beaver Cleaver episode where he just mowed the guy's grass and then asked for money. Do you all remember that episode? (laughs) There, There is an episode like that. And so you don't want to do that. You know, yep. you don't want to be like Beaver Cleaver and just just mow the, the guy's lawn who didn't ask you to mow it. But you want to go and you want to say, can I mow your lawn? And, you know, can I can I do this for you? But I would like to do this. And then you'll most likely be met with a good reception. Yeah. You know, you want to be you want to be a servant towards the church and you want to be a blessing towards the church. You don't want to create more administrative administrative issues like for the church. So like if someone comes up and says like take Eddie Hood in the flower bed for instance like hey we notice this need we want to do the work. We just want to make sure we're not going to mess anything up. We want to see if we have any funding for it, but we want to help do the work. It's like great, awesome, that's amazing. Godspeed. Uh, same thing with uh, the woman. I, I don't know who it is, but the woman is like, I want to get people to sit up front. It's like, yes, that's awesome. It's amazing. That's not taking, you know, any time out of any time from any other church minister or pastor, like to try and organize that. But if someone came up and instead said, Mark, I think that you need to organize a group who's going to come and oh, sit up oh, front yeah. and do yeah. it, then it would be and, like, oh, that's another thing. Yes, and we definitely get that a lot. People will come. I, I I think the church needs this, and I'm like, okay. And are you going to do that? And that that's often what those type of people don't want to hear. They want to hear, oh yes, I'll get right on that right right away. You know, but but you, we we can't do that. I mean, if 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 we thought it needed to be done, we would have thought of it. No offense, and we would have done it. You know, so I, my tagline is always, well, if God has burdened you with that then that's probably what you need to do, and I will support you in any way that I can. But, you know, you're going to have to do that. And the sky's really the limit. I mean, imagine what we could do. You know, I really, really, really want somebody to take the golf cart. I mean, we have this North Point has this beautiful, uh, you know, 25-seat limo golf cart type (laughs) thing. And I'm thankful they have that. It's wonderful, you know. And they graciously gave me a copy of the key. Very dangerous. Never should have done that. They graciously gave me a copy of the key, and they said, we want you to use this. And they said, you know, you guys can use this on Sunday. We're not using it, and it needs to be used so that the battery doesn't drain down. And they said, so we want you guys to use this. Well, I mean, I thought, what a ministry. I mean, we have a huge two-area parking lot. And I thought, what a great ministry for somebody to take this golf cart and just drive it around and offer to people, can I take you to the front door? You know, they see a mom with kids. Can I take you to the front door? And nobody stepped forward to do that. I've offered that to all of our, you know, guys that kind of lead it, and everybody's real hesitant. I think they're hesitant because they're afraid they're going to wreck the golf cart or something, (laughs) and then they'd have to pay for it. And I understand that. I mean, that's legitimate. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying to myself, what a ministry. But God hasn't raised anybody up to do that. So I'm not pushing it. The key is in my box, and I've told everybody this is available. But one day, I hope that God raises up somebody that says, you know what? In the heat and the rain and the sleet and the snow, I could drive a golf cart and minister to people. 
and just be the first contact they see when they pull onto our campus and so that they at least know where to go. I mean, there's like 50 entrances, you know, that at least would know where to go. And, you know, I can be out there. That's a measure of security. I mean, I would love to see the day when we're radioing the nursery when people are walking up. We've got a family of four. They're on the way. Their names are the Smiths. And when they get to the nursery, the nursery's already filled out the form for the Smiths. Yep. Somebody has taken that and said, hi, Smiths, we're so glad you're here. I understand you have two kids you want to check in. You say, well, who does that? I've seen churches do that. Yeah. But you got to have people who have the heart to do it. And I'm not, I, I can't force that. I've got the ideas, but I can't force that. And until the people say, okay, where can I serve? What can I do? Well, it doesn't just have to be choir and ushering. It can be anything. Well, you know, and we have a pattern uh, set out in Scripture of the New Testament that describes exactly that, where the church faced a problem, and that is, what do we do with the distribution uh, to these widows? And it very clearly says, listen, the, the pastors, here's the truth. They're supposed to devote themselves to prayer uh, for the reading and teaching of God's Word. Like, that's what our job's supposed to be which means there's always going to be some very practical needs like running the golf cart Sunday morning where I'm sorry, but it's not the job of the pastors to organize, to really organize and do that because God's Word says that's what we're supposed to be devoting our time to. And if we ever get to the point to where, you know, Mark, to use you as an example, you're having to organize 20 different ministries and figure out who all the volunteers are and contact them to where you don't have the time necessary to actually devote to sermon preparation. That means we're doing something wrong as a church. We need to guard that time. And so, you know, what we really need is we need people to not only be willing to serve and, and step up, but also willing to take ownership of some of these things of this is something God has placed on my heart. This is something that I'm going to do to his glory for the benefit of the church. Um, and at, as soon as people have that ownership, like, man, the Lord just blesses that tremendously. Yeah, absolutely. Or as we would say, correct. Correct. And on that note, guys, we have to wrap this podcast up. It's been enjoyable and fun talking about Just Do It. And so, in the tradition of footnotes, today's episode is brought to you by the letter Correct. Also, by New Balance, who says Just Do It. And by the ministry started by the lady who wants you to move up front, smile, sing, and be involved. And on that note, we sign off. Correct? Correct? Everybody say correct. 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 Good job. Correct.